Uh, hello. Hi. Hello. We're back again. We back are. At it. We took another hiatus. <laughs> <laughs> but anybody listening to this won't know that because we're releasing this the week after our last episode. They'll never know. If you ever... Well, now that I've told them. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you tell them? Uh, yeah, that's on you. Hello and welcome to the uh, non-numbered episode of We Watch Movies and Then Talk About Them. Because today, uh, we didn't do one of those things. <laughs> we we didn't, did not watch a movie. We didn't watch a movie. No, I didn't watch a movie today. But we are going to talk about a lot of movies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, today is our year in review. Um, now, we wanted to make sure to get this out before the Oscar nominations come out because we didn't want to be tainted by the Academy's beliefs. We're all very suggestible people, and we didn't want to have them change our minds on anything. So these are purely our opinions of the year 2018. Uh, now, we will not be doing this in Oscar format. We're not going to have a pick for every category because the Oscars is four hours long. And also, we can't get uh, Sufjan Stevens to come do his musical number for us. If only. We reached out. That would out. be amazing. He didn't respond. <laughs> Except for this year, it would be Tom York. I would love to have Tom York come that and do be great. Suspirium, because it's a great song. Um, what we are going to be doing is running through some bonus categories that we have decided. We have 10 bonus categories that we're going to go through fairly quickly, and then we will give our top 10 movies as a podcast. Before we get too far into it, my name is Andrew Westensko. I'm the host of this year's podcast, joined at my right hand by Becca. Hi. And further to my right by Sid. Hello. Um, and if you ever want to hear us talk about movies, uh, we got about 20 episodes of us watching a movie and then talking about it that you can go check out our opinions on. Um, and that's our podcast. That was our 2017, 2018. What year is it? <laughs> well, now it's 2019. Now it's 2019. That's how we spent the, the better half of uh, 2018 was doing this podcast. So It's true. Straight yeah, up. It's great. Um, anybody who has listened to our other episodes, thank you. We love you. Anybody who has not please do it makes us happy yes it does. that's really yeah. the extent of it we don't get any money for this so <laughs> <laughs> it just makes us happy um so yeah that's it that's really the uh the long and short of it um we're gonna introduce these categories one by one and then just kind of jump into it um what qualifies here anything that came out in 2018 that's it um now with that said uh, we realize we have not seen every movie that came out in 2018 and we're sure that there are some out there who uh, we're sure that some great movies came out this year that we just didn't see for one reason or another. We don't have infinite amounts of time. So um, this is only covering movies that we watched and if we didn't see something, we're sorry. And make sure you let us know what we didn't get a chance to see. And we'll definitely watch it. Yeah, let's start out actually with, um, let's jump right into it. Anything you guys want to say before we get into it? No, let's go for it. Let's, let's do, do it. it. Um, so we're going to start off with a category called I Wish I Saw. Um, these are movies that uh, came out this year that we heard good things about, but did not have a chance to view and we're bummed out about it. Um, that's really the long and short of that category. My pick for the I Wish I Saw is Leave No Trace. Um, which I heard fantastic things about. I think it's, if it's not still, it was for a long time sitting 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm pretty sure it is. Let me double check. Um, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it, it's about a man and his daughter. They're in the woods for some reason or another. 
and he is teaching her life lessons, but she ends up teaching him life lessons, something along those lines. Well, so it's, it is at a hundred percent, but it's like they, um, get discovered and then, you know, the government steps in and they're like, you need to provide for your daughter. She needs to go to school. And so it's about them kind of acclimating into normal So kind of like a, kind of like a Captain Fantastic kind of idea. Yeah. Which is a great movie. Yeah. Um, so that's my pick for the I Wish I Saw. If you've seen Leave No Trace, uh, let me know if I should watch it. I mean, it's got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, so I doubt that it's horrible. But yeah, that is my pick. Becca, what did you wish that you saw this year? I wish that I saw Isle of Dogs. Mostly because recently we've gotten really into Wes Anderson, and now I just really want to see it. Because when it first came out, I wasn't super interested in it, but now I am. And I've heard that it's good, so it is good. Now, the reason that we got into Wes Anderson was because we did an episode of the podcast on the Grand Budapest Hotel. So if you want to hear us kind of ooing and aahing over Wes Anderson, um, that's a great place to start. I, too, wish that I had seen that, actually. I thought about that after the fact, that we never we never went and saw it. We talked about it. Specifically, Andrew talked about it a lot while it first came out, and then we just never went. You never wanted to. I know. What a shame. <laughs> But now I do. I wish I saw it. Well, that's why I was winning this category exactly. for Exactly. <laughs> All right. Sid, what do you wish you saw? I wish that I saw If Beale Street Could Talk. I think a lot of people wish they saw If Beale Street yeah. Could Talk. Um, yes. I, you know, it came out two weeks ago, uh, Utah, and apparently all movie people hate Utah. Um, it's just barely starting to play here. So I was not able to see it. But it's not even playing in any big theaters, is it? It's playing at like Century yeah. Which is like kind of, uh, but so basically that one is uh, this black couple. I think it's set in like the fifties. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think so. Okay, and um, she finds out that she's pregnant right after he's thrown in jail, basically for being black. So, and it's uh, directed by Barry Jenkins, the director of Moonlight, which won two years ago. Two years ago. So I really wanted to see it. Hopefully, I'll be able to see it before the Oscars. So that's Let's my hope pick. So. Hopefully, here's what I'm hoping, is that the Oscars get announced, it gets some hype, and theater chains start picking it up. Yeah, that's I'm what sure happened that's last what'll year, happen. so yeah. let's pray. Um, here's the thing. If Brooklyn can get a wide release, then so can if Beale Street can talk. Brooklyn, by the way, forgotten movie, not too bad. It's like a... It's pretty good. It's like a seven. Yeah, I really like that one. I don't know why it was nominated for Best Picture, but... And that is what we wish that we saw. And I think those are some good picks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you guys think that uh, we missed out on something else, let us know. Now, uh, we have nine more categories to get through. First off, the biggest surprise of the year. Now, this is the movie that you went into with uh, pretty low expectations and came up pleasantly surprised. Uh, Sid, why don't you kick us off here? Okay, so my biggest surprise was Tolly. And that's the one, uh, it's got Charlize Theron. And she's a new mom, well, new to her third child. Um. <laughs> She's got a new baby. All right. Um, and so she hires a, a night nanny. And it seemed like a pretty straightforward... What's the night nanny's name? Tully. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it's kind of just like about her relationship with the night nanny and with her family. Um, it seemed like a pretty straightforward movie, but there's like a, there's a really fun twist at the end that kind of, I don't know, it just really made the movie for me. I just, I really enjoyed it. I didn't think I was going to like it as much as I did. When it was out, I heard not great things, but people saying basically what you said, like it was better than I thought it would be. Uh And the trailer was kind of charming. Uh 
Yeah, yeah you like chuckled at it every single time <laughs> I saw the trailer. <laughs> All right, Becca, what was your biggest surprise of the year? My biggest surprise, I guess I didn't go into it thinking it wouldn't be good, um, is Sorry to Bother You. It looked funny, and we watched it, and I was just blown away (laughs) at how bizarre and great it is. You could have a horse cock. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, oh my gosh. It's so wild. Army Hammer destroys that scene. Uh, he steal- oh, yeah. As soon as he comes into the movie, he steals it. Oh, yeah. yeah. When he first does that 12-inch line of coke. Oh, my God. <laughs> He's great. <laughs> it's just out there, but so good. I agree. I I think that that's one that you go into with whatever expectations you want, and it's not going to be what you think it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't want to ruin too much about it. That one's a, it's not on our, it doesn't end up on our list, but that's a, a, that one, that one comes very highly recommended. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, It came out earlier in the year, so probably forgotten, but I'd like to see it get like a screenplay nod, maybe. Mm. Because the screenplay is just, (laughs) (laughs) what are you doing? Um, My biggest surprise actually was Searching, um, which is the movie about the girl who goes missing the dad is going after her, but it's told entirely through like cameras and web pages and stuff. So like there's a lot of FaceTime, a lot of texting, a lot of that kind of stuff. And the gimmick uh, isn't bad, which I think is what my surprise was, mm-hmm. is that it actually felt like it uh, added to the narrative and added to the film rather than um, I, I, I liken it kind of to like the craze of like handheld camera films that came out after like cloverfield and i was like yeah you just wanted to make a movie in this style like and it could have been told better with decent cinematography but like this one i felt like the gimmick actually added to the story and was a really clever way of of telling it the ending was a little too sickly sweet for me but i'm also a a horrible person so (laughs) (laughs) um yeah searching if you think it's bad it's not that should be the tagline. <laughs> Can we get that put on the posters? Searching. If you think it's bad, it's actually not. That's great. Uh, biggest surprise of the year. Moving on. Uh, the complete opposite of that. The biggest letdown. Becca. All right. My biggest letdown this year was Fantastic Beasts, Crimes of Grindelwald. Because. Sorry, I fell asleep when you said that name. <laughs> Yeah, I don't blame you. I am such a huge Harry Potter fan. I love everything to do with the Harry Potter world. Um, And I really like the first Fantastic Beast, so I was looking forward to this one. And it just was bad and confusing, and there were too many characters, and I just didn't like it. So I was super let down by Fantastic Beasts. I think that might be like a contender for me if... I was more excited for it, if that makes sense. Yeah. I wasn't that excited for it. And then I remember we walked out of the theater and I didn't say anything because I was waiting for Becca to say something. And she was like, that was really bad, huh? And I was like, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So many things wrong with that movie. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So confusing, but not in like trying to juggle too many characters. None of the magic made any sense. Um. I had some people, like, I was talking to some people at work about it, and they were like, 
no, it's cool because you finally get to see what like an actually advanced wizard does and blah, blah, blah. I was like, we had Dumbledore and Voldemort and like all the teachers. Like they did plenty of advanced crap. Yeah, Harry Potter had awesome magic in it. Yeah. I didn't need all of this. And I've said this and I, I, I truly believe it. The single worst decision that movie made was going to Hogwarts. Because as soon as they showed Hogwarts, I was like, yes, <laughs> this is awesome. And I was like, I felt like I was back, but like the magic was gone. I was like, oh, so like. So it pretty much just like reminded you of a better Harry. Exactly. It just, it just made me wish that I was watching literally any of the Harry Potter movies. Because Hogwarts is awesome in all of them. Yeah. And it's in this one for like five minutes. They they hang out there for a bit, but it just sucks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because they're in like three different rooms. Oh, yeah. But, like, the castle always felt huge and, like, dynamic and, like, it was its own character in the Harry Potter movies. And then this, it, was, it just fell flat. Also, I don't buy Jude Law's Dumbledore. I'm sorry. He's just yeah. too handsome. Yeah. I Dumbledore's agree. not a hot guy. No. Nor is he charming. He's creepy. Dumbledore's creepy. And that's <laughs> he fine. He is kind of. Yeah, a little bit. Especially in the first two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my pick for biggest letdown is the mule and mostly because the trailer was so freaking awesome except i didn't i didn't think the trailer was awesome i had low expectations going into it that was yeah that was the opposite like we walked out of that movie and becca was like that was better than i thought it was gonna be and i was like that was the worst movie i've seen all year (laughs) maybe not the worst movie i've seen all year just very very let down None of it made any sense. Very, 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 very bad screenplay. Horribly clunky dialogue. Um, just, I, I, my freaking favorite line, Grandpa, I knew you would make it to the pre-wedding brunch. Like, <laughs> <laughs> nobody says that. <laughs> no one says that. And, oh my gosh, just, none of the characters are believable. Like, these, like, hardcore, like, drug-running gangsters are, like, Nah, man, you're cool. We'll let you get away with it. Like, you can go into hiding for three weeks and not speak to us, and we'll, you know, we'll. You're fine. You're fine. We'll we'll let you off the hook. And then my other favorite line, felt like I was watching freaking Lassie or something, was the ending in the courtroom when he gets sentenced to prison, and the granddaughter is like, "Don't worry, Grandpa. We'll take care of the farm." She literally says that. <laughs> the granddaughter was the. The second worst part of that movie. Oddly enough, Bradley Cooper, worst part of that movie. Really? Mostly because of wasted potential. Mm. His entire story just didn't need to be there. Mm. At all. Like, it was like they needed to make the movie an hour and 40 minutes long. So they're like, ooh, we need 25 minutes of something. He just didn't need to be in it. There was no... The idea, like, if you have a show that's showing the criminal and the law, there's supposed to be some tension there. And there just wasn't. Yeah. is how the mule went yeah yeah if you're wasting bradley cooper you just don't make the movie correct also clean eastwood just has lost it as a director i think yeah it's back to back uh, i didn't see it but apparently 1517 to paris was just horrendous as I well heard that. yeah apparently there's one line um oh shoot what is it i think it's my god is smarter than your statistics. I think that's a line from it. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. So, yeah, I didn't. We didn't even go see it. So, uh, Sid, what let you down? 
My biggest letdown was Beautiful Boy. Oh, you mean Feel Sad Simulator 2018? Yeah. <laughs> I was really excited for this one because I am a huge fan of Timothy Chalamet. I love him. Um, I would say that he's still really good in this movie. The only redeeming part of yeah. the movie. Yeah. But, I mean, we've gone at length outside of the podcast to talk about why it doesn't work. And it's just kind of... The tone's not great. Everything's kind of... The feeling of the movie's forced on you by the music. Um, you should feel sad because we're playing Sigurros now. Yeah. And... I don't know. You know, we've talked about... It's based off of two books um, told by the perspective of the son and the father. And it's just two... They just go against each other and they don't work together. So, I mean, I would say, you know, Timothy Chalamet is always great, but it was just not a great movie for him. I agree. That was a huge letdown, especially because I'm very much on the Steve Carell as a dramatic actor train. And he was a huge letdown in this movie. His performance, personally, was really bad. I've never really seen him in anything dramatic other than, like, Dan in Real Life and The Way Way Back. So I didn't have like um uh, the big short. Yeah, I didn't have that to compare it to, or like Foxcatcher. So I I wasn't that disappointed in him. It was more just like the movie overall, and it was kind of confusing. Like they just like jumped timelines and yeah, the editing was like, pretty poor. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, now uh, continuing on this train, the movie that lived up to the hype. Now, this is a movie that you heard a lot of good things about, went in with very high expectations, and it delivered. Uh, my pick for this is Roma. Great pick. Um, I heard nothing but fantastic things about this. Um, I didn't get a chance to see it in the theater, but we watched it just on Netflix. Um, very smart move, putting it on there. And holy crap. Like, it's hard to find anything wrong with it. Like, it so lived up to the hype. If you know what you're getting yourself into, right? It's a slow-moving, really emotional, not very happy foreign film. But, like, the the cinematography, the performances, the writing, just all of it. Like, what an achievement from Alfonso Cuaron. Like, and that's... He's a dude with good pedigree. Like, we're talking um, Gravity and um, Children of Men, which we've reviewed on the podcast. Go check out that episode. Um, the third Harry Potter, um, apparently, um, he's, uh, what was it? E, the, that one apparently is really good, but also very sexual. So, I don't know. <laughs> if that's your thing. <laughs> if that's your thing. It's like a, it's like a, as I understand, it's like a coming of age thing. Okay. It's like these two boys meet an older woman and she just has sex with them a lot. Okay. Huh. But All apparently right. it's really good. I don't know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, it, that, that's just how I would put it. It's just what an achievement. It, yeah. it, spoiler alert. We're going to talk about this later in the podcast. <laughs> so I'll leave it at that. Uh, Becca, what lived up to the hype for you? All right. We are also going to talk about this one later in the podcast. Uh, but A Star is Born definitely lived up to the hype. There was a lot of hype around that one. And I think a lot of people were really excited. We were really excited. And we went and saw it, and I was blown away, specifically by Lady Gaga's performance, was really impressive. And just an all-around fantastic movie, very emotional and engaging. Right on. All right, Sid, this is your chance. 
This is my chance. Lived up to the hype. Paddington 2. This movie is incredible and perfect and adorable. Um, it's 100% rating is not undeserved. It is the highest rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes of all time. Are you serious? Yeah. It beat out <laughs> Toy Story 2. What? Yeah. It's got the most reviews and all of them are positive. What on earth? Yeah. It's just, it's so cute and fun and I cried and Hugh Grant as a villain is really good in it and wow i don't know i just i need to see it again it's been a few months but it's just just such a cute like kind of feel good movie apparently paddington too lived up to the hype folks yeah all right all right we're gonna get into a lot of bests here we picked a few of our favorite elements of film and decided to do uh what we thought was the best of each of them this year um most of these will be featured later on but these are just uh specific little uh i guess little treats that we quite enjoyed from each of them. Uh, first up, the best performance. Uh, we're not differentiating between lead, supporting, actor, actress, whatever. Um, and it's a clean sweep here. We all agree. Um, our favorite performance of 2018 was Tony Collette in Hereditary. Far and away. Oh, she boy. was amazing. Just carries that film. Seriously. Like, I don't, I can't talk about it enough how well she did and just like the emotion that she was able to portray. Yeah. No, and we'll again we'll we'll talk about that one later, but just just know we also have a whole podcast on it. Uh, yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> we also have an entire episode on Hereditary. Um also Hereditary uh kind of a meme amongst the we watch movies and then talk about them. Yes. People. Um Becca loves it more than any. That's Becca's number one pick this year. She loved ha, it. Ha, gave ha. it a uh, 12 out of 10. She gave it you guys, a 12 I out of 10. I gave it a I put it in my top 10. It's number 10. Oh, good. That was my first choice. So you like, can stay on the podcast. I was like, I have to put Hereditary in my top 10, <laughs> so I'll give it number 10. <laughs> we thank you for it. All right. Um, so that's pretty simple, right? We all, we'll talk about it later. Uh, the best score. Um, Sid. Um, so I picked mid-90s. Score is kind of hard for me. It's kind of when I'm in the movie, I'm paying attention to it. Um, and I like it, but it's kind of like afterwards that it kind of just like, oh yeah, there was music in it. But mid nineties was very different than what I was expecting. Um, because it's set in the nineties, I was expecting music from the time. And, and to be fair, there is a bunch of nineties music. In yeah. It. I was expecting pretty much all of it to kind of be like diegetic, um, all nineties music. Um, but I was really surprised it's. I can't quite remember what it is now, but it was just very different and it just really subverted my expectations and it, I don't know, it just changed the movies, the movie for me. I 100% agree with you. Uh, soundtrack from Mid-90s by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Um, yeah. Who are heroes of the movie score game. Uh, and I think the this the score the the music in general, but the use of the score was one of the smartest decisions that Jonah Hill made when directing this film, um, because he uses music from the '90s very effectively. But then he has these little snippets of, I mean, anybody who we all know what the Trent Reznor Atticus Ross soundtracks sound like. This one's very chilly, very icy, very electronic, but. Um, used very effectively when it is used. I think that's a great pick. Oh, thank you. Becca. My pick for best score is Annihilation because 
it's amazing. <laughs> uh, we also have an entire episode on Annihilation, and yeah. we go in depth about the score. <laughs> we do. Um, crap, who's the other guy? Jeff Barrow and somebody else did the score. Jeff remember. Barrow, of course, the guitarist from the band Portishead. But this is like one of the only scores, well, the only score this year that I actually listened to outside of the movie and would listen to it while I was driving. And Annihilation is my pick for the year. Like, that's my favorite movie. So go do, say that. The do yourselves a favor. Favorite. Go on YouTube, search Annihilation the Alien and find the 14 minute version. Um, and it, it is one of the better pieces of music to come out of film this year. Yeah, it's really good. Definitely. And then the, the we'll talk about it later again. But the specifically the acoustic guitar used throughout, and how mm-hmm. uh, we talk about this in the episode about how the music kind of morphs with the movie from this acoustic guitar um, into a more synthetic sound towards the end, and it's just noise at the end, and it's incredible. It just adds to the entire experience of watching the movie. So it was amazing. Uh, my pick for best score is Suspiria by Tom York. Um, I think he made some risky choices here. I don't know what the discussion between him and Luca was as far as how to use music in this film and, and how they wanted to do it. Um, but there's a, uh, probably four songs where he sings and they include the singing in the movie. Um, and I, I think it's such a smart choice. Um, this movie is my pick for the year is my favorite movie of the year. Um, and it's, it's got such a, such a chilly atmosphere and that's accented so well by the score. Um, and specifically the scenes where he sings, I think work really well as montages and, um, yeah, we'll talk about that more later, but, um, it's, it's, it's very minimalist and you almost wouldn't notice it if you're not looking for it, but it accents everything so well. And the actual score itself is super long. It's a double album. It's like 25 tracks or something like that. It's over an hour. Um, and it's one of the few scores that I've actually taken the time to listen to outside of the movie this year. The other one that I would say is high on my list is Annihilation. I've listened to that a lot. Um, Suspiria, my favorite score of the year. Now, um, we're going to move into my uh, fake Oscar. This is the Oscar that I think should exist. Yeah. Um, I think it would be a really interesting category. Um, and it is the best scene slash sequence. Um, this is really, since we're making this up, it can be defined however you like it to be. Um, but you know, movies are split up into sequences. Um, for example, a great, uh, choice for your favorite sequence would be like the car crash in hereditary. I almost chose that. And then I remembered my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Becca, what is your favorite sequence of this year? My very favorite sequence of this year is also from Annihilation. The one of the last scenes in the lighthouse. And it's amazing. such a great pick. It's like Andrew mentioned a couple minutes ago about that uh, 14 minute song from Annihilation. That's the scene. And I have to this. The choreography is amazing. I just like am so engaged in that scene when I watch it and it's just incredible. I I would be happy to just watch that scene on its own. Oh, absolutely. Like that whole sequence. That that scene is the reason why I saw Annihilation 3 times in theaters. 
because yeah. the way that it's mixed, they just turn the sound up to like 15 and like the speakers were crackling and blowing out and it was just so overwhelming both visually and with the music, like just such an overwhelming sequence. I thought it was incredible. Uh, Sid, you and I actually picked our favorite sequences from the same movie, but yours comes first in the movie, so I'll let you go first. Yes, it does. So we both picked Suspiria. My favorite sequence is, it's probably in the first act of it, and it's uh, the main character, Susie. She's just joining this dance company, and she's doing this famous dance that they do, and they kind of transfer these powers into her. And so while she's doing this dance, all of her movements are imposed on another girl in another dance studio. And so, you know, Susie's like, she's doing turns and flips. And this other girl is just being thrown across the room and just, just being destroyed. And it's so gruesome and gory, but it's so awesome. I don't know. Just like. It's incredible. It's The way that it's shot and edited and it's oh it was so cool i was so blown away with that scene that sequence is probably my number two pick Mm -hmm. but i think my number one pick comes because my favorite sequence of the year really gives payoff i think to the entire film Mm -hmm. um so my pick is the not quite ending of suspiria where um mother suspiriorum comes back and um i think from I would say from the entire time that she goes downstairs to when the sequence ends, it would be my pick. And I think it's probably the most, like the most high risk, high reward sequence that I've seen in a film this year, mostly because it could have gone so wrong. It could have gone so wrong, Um, but it's just handled so well and they draw you in so well that when it really goes off the rails... Like, the entire screen, they just put a red filter over everything, and everything is just red. And then, like, she's walking around just blowing people's heads up, and you got this just, like, really soothing Tom York song going on over it. Like, he's just kind of bouncing around on the piano and, like, doing his little croony thing. And she's going around and blowing people's heads up. And the way that it cuts between that and, like, showing, you know, the people who had voted for um, the... What's her name? I just forgot it. Marco. Marcos. Marcos. Yeah. yeah. And then she goes to the three girls in the middle and like the way she talks to them, she's like, what do you want? And they're like to die. And she kills that. Like the whole thing is just, again, so overwhelming, but like it's kept in check by that song. Mm-hmm. And it's just so, 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 so well done. And I know a lot of people that didn't like it. I know a lot of people didn't like it, but it totally worked for me. And that's my favorite sequence of the year. That's that. Like Suspiria is what, like almost three hours long? And that that fifteen minutes or so is what makes the entire movie worth it, I think. And major props to Dakota Johnson in that movie. Who knew she had it in her? Yeah. What a great performance she gives in that movie. All right. Production design. Um is also a clean sweep for us. Again, uh production design, for those of you who don't know what it is, is basically the set. Um, the design of the rooms that people are in, all that kind of stuff. And all three of us picked the favorite. Well deserved. Which is also yep. a super front runner for me for score. What a great score. Mm-hmm. Just an all around great movie. It really, really? is a great movie. Really? Uh, we'll talk about it more later, but the production design is so detailed. Mm-hmm. All of the tapestries and the, the 
you just feel it's such an effective period piece because the world feels old yeah just like every shot is so gorgeous just from the opening shot it's so well done i was just i was blown away just from the first five seconds speaking of opening shots our pick for best cinematography is also a clean sweep with roma so good that opening sequence i when you oh my gosh because this you got the shot of the 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 floor and then you start seeing her throw water over it and you see the reflection of the plane coming up and then the camera after what seems like forever finally pans up and you see her and the 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 tracking shots in that when they're in the the furniture store and you pan to outside to see the the, the I don't know what you would call it the battle in the street mm-hmm. going on and then it comes inside and people run in and oh my gosh just yeah, astounding seriously. cinematography it was and so good the end credits like we sat and watched the entire end credits and the end credit was very similar to the opening shot it was just this it was kind of the opposite though it was the camera just focused on kind of the sky and you occasionally see a plane go across or like a bird but it was would like move hypnotizing like it was couldn't pull your eyes away yeah what a again i'll come back to the what an accomplishment by alfonso Cuaron. seriously like and just i heard i hear this talked about sometimes and i think it's a word that um should be used to describe filmmaking more but should also be used very sparingly what confident filmmaking like he you could tell he is not questioning himself and nobody else is either everybody on that movie is completely locked into his vision and it comes off it comes across as so confident and i love that well we'll definitely be talking about Roma, oh, yeah. so don't worry um and then finally our last category uh our prediction for the best picture winner um i'll go first because mine is different from yours becca and agree um and i think that they're probably right but i'm doing mine more out of a uh i really really hope i think it has a real shot and i really want to see roma win that would be amazing i would love it i agree with like roma is the one that i want to win it's not the one i think will win yeah but i would love to see roma win i think that's here's the thing i you're probably right but i'm just like putting the vibes out there (laughs) like i want it to win so bad because it it honestly would deserve it oh yeah for sure it's just, yeah, it's a very personal film and it, I mean, we'll talk about it more, but it's just, yeah. it's very, very deserving of best picture. All right, you sheep. What do you guys think is going to win? Sid and I think that A Star is Born is going to win. Yes. Yes, we do. Which is also a great pick. It a is. Star is Born is a great movie. It is. It's just, you don't very often see a movie like Roma come along. Yeah. Yeah. Roma is definitely a special movie. But this one... Honestly, this one just kind of has more star power to it. 100%. Which shouldn't play into it, but it does. So. I want to shout out. We'll talk about this later, but again, specifically shout out to Lady Gaga. I want to name my kid after that, like, ah, (laughs) she makes when she first does the, like, can we, can we have that be our first child's name? Uh, I, I just. I don't know how people will actually how do you spell that? call them. It's that. just a bunch of A's. It's <laughs> <laughs> like lowercase, uppercase, lower. Holy lower. crap. And her voice throughout it. Seriously. We'll talk about it more later. Um, 
You guys are probably right, though. I think I think Star is Born is the most likely to win. I want to see Roma win yeah. so badly. Yeah. So let's uh, let's move on. Those are all of our bonus categories. Uh, once again, uh, biggest surprise, biggest letdown, lived up to the hype, best performance, best score, best sequence, production design, cinematography, wish I saw, and best picture predictions. Those are our bonus categories. And we feel good about them. Yeah. Amongst the other things that we feel good about is our top 10 list. Onto the good stuff. Onto the good stuff. Um, again, this is just a straight up ranking of our top 10 films as a podcast. Um, now, how we got here is each of us made a list of our top 10 movies for the year. We assigned each of them a point value. If it was your number one pick, it got 10 points. Your number two pick got nine points, so on and so forth, down to one point. We then aggregated the points, and the 10 highest um, are the uh, podcast's top 10 films of the year. Yes. And we're excited. <laughs> we're excited. Yes, we are. Um, let's jump in here. Sid, you're going to have to take the reins on this first one. Uh, number 10 is actually a two-way tie, and I'm really glad that... Uh, one of them got in here. The other one I have not seen. Sid, um, first at number 10, Into the Spider-Verse. Becca and I have not seen this, and this was actually going to be my pick for I Wish I Saw, because I've heard nothing but good things about it. Mm -hmm. Yes, I also want to see this one. It is seriously so, so good. It's probably one of the best superhero movies I've seen in a long time. I mean, Infinity War is great. We're going to talk about that in a second, but... <sighs> Sorry, um, don't listen to that. Um... <laughs> But seriously, just like the storyline is, I was kind of wary of it going into it because it's it's basically just Spider Man from all the different universes. Um, so I was a little bit, you know, I thought it was gonna be like a little, I don't know, too campy or what. But the storyline's incredible. The script is good. the The animation, I can't stress enough how incredible the animation is in this. It's made to look like a comic book. It's so fantastic. It's like it's one that I would love to see in IMAX. Hmm. It's oh my gosh, I don't know. Just just this movie. Like this is my number four for the year, out of all the movies I've seen. It's so freaking good. I want to see it again. I will see it so many times. I love it. Yeah, we uh, we need to go see it. Yes, we do. It just kind of hasn't worked. Yeah. Um, tied at number ten number 10 is a superhero spot is uh avengers infinity war and i am so stoked Ooh. that it got on the list because great movie i i loved this movie this was so my good. uh let's see here where am i this was my uh, your number four no my number seven your number seven. Oh, yeah this was my oh there we go yeah this was my number seven for the year um and I almost picked it for lived up to the hype, honestly. Like, what? It's just so good. The way that the Russos managed to juggle all of these characters. There's so many characters. Like, we're talking, when did, when did we decide Iron Man 1 came out? 2008. 2008. We're talking 10 years of getting to know these characters and getting so much payoff from this. And... I mean, what a ballsy ending, too. Like, my biggest gripe with Civil War was that it didn't seem to have any cojones. Like, they needed to kill somebody. And boy, did they in this. And even if they managed to bring them all back in Endgame, I don't really care that much. Like, this managed to 
exceed my expectations. Also, Josh Brolin as Thanos. What on earth? Like, what is this guy's career? Freaking the big brother in the Goonies turns into Thanos. Like, and does such a, gives such an emotional performance that you, you really empathize with him. Like, you might not agree with what he's doing, you know, killing half of all people on earth. But you get why he's doing it, and you can empathize with him. And he even understand like, how many villains have you heard say, like, well, you might hate me, but this is something that needs to be done, and I'm going to do it. And you're like, nah, you're just a jackass. But, like, this movie, like, he, you actually empathize with him, and you get where he's coming from. And the action sequences are incredible. It's so funny. Like, the writing in it is just spectacular. And then, again, every scene that Thanos is in, like, it's made so many memes, but, like, in such a good way. Like, it everywhere on the internet, well, what did it cost? Everything. Like, <laughs> but that's such an emotional scene because you believe him. Like, he actually believes so hard that this is what he needs to do that he gives up everything. And, you know, even, like, the way that he that he talks to people, like... At the end, at like the final battle, when he's talking to Iron Man, and I forget exactly what he says, but he's he tells me he's like, you know, Mister Stark, you have earned my respect. I hope they remember you. Like, what a fantastic payoff to the character of Iron Man. You know what I mean? And like, even the way that they incorporate Doctor Strange and Spider Man, like these newcomers to the universe, like even um, what's his name, Doctor Strange's assistant dude. Uh, woo. Woo. Like, the way they incorporate him. And Thanos' minions are so cool. Mm-hmm. Like, I I just, I, I can't describe how blown away I was by this movie, by just how good it was. Um, The battle in Wakanda. Oh, my gosh. When freaking Thor's hammer comes in. Ah. And, oh, my <laughs> gosh. Okay. And, like, ah, gee, I just, it's so good. Captain America with a beard. Ooh, that yes real good real good i'm just saying like i i am still to this day surprised at how good this movie was seriously absolutely lived up to the hype cannot wait for endgame i am so stoked for endgame and i've never said that the last time i said that about a, a superhero movie was batman versus superman and we all know how that turned out like, <laughs> <laughs> this is just such a payoff for everything like if you are invested in the marvel universe this is like it it felt like what it felt like when the prequels were coming out so like episode one was coming out and everybody's like oh my gosh george lucas is back out we're gonna get darth vader origin story and we ended up with the complete opposite of that like not a letdown totally on point totally awesome great performances thanos i can't get over how good of a villain thanos is and just really how good of a performance josh brolin gives um What's the the girl from Guardians of the Galaxy? What's Gamora. Gamora. The she's the one that we like. Not who's the one that um, the girl from Doctor Who plays. Uh, that's Nebula. Okay, so Gamora is the one who dies. Yes. Okay. Seriously, when I saw Guardians of the Galaxy, if you told me she would play like the second most integral role to the Avengers universe, I'd have told you you were crazy. Yep. Like just such a such a creative way to integrate all of the characters, have them all come together. They all had a reason to be there. I just I can't get over how good this movie is. Infinity War. I totally agree. 
I mean, you said it all. I think it's so rewarding to have watched all of these movies for all these years and then see all of them together. So good. Enough said. <laughs> Enough said. I, I went on probably too long about that, but it's such a good movie. <laughs> yeah, I am a pretty big Marvel nerd. My dad loves the comics. So, you know, we'd find out a new movie was coming out. He'd kind of explain to us who the characters are and what their villain. And this is just... Like you said, it is the perfect payoff for the past 10 years that we've been investing so much time into these characters and we love them. And there's really no bad characters. I don't feel so good, Mr. Stark. (laughs) 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 And yeah, I just watched it this weekend and... For the first time? No, for the fourth time. Oh, okay. (laughs) The first time I saw it, I saw it three times in like the course of four days. Oh, wow. Probably. Yeah. Wow. And then I didn't see it since then. So yeah, I watched it this weekend. Incredible. I cried like a baby. It's just, it's just perfect the way that everything worked out. So good. Yeah. Again, this is an aggregate listing. Um, so we're moving on to number nine. Um, and you may notice that I'm less stoked about this one than I am about Infinity War. But that's because it ranked <laughs> lower on my personal list. Uh, maybe Becca, you can talk us through a little bit. Number nine is Vice, directed by Adam McKay. Vice. Um, I. <laughs> I really like this one. So did you get a chance to see I it? I did. Okay. Um, for me, I'm not like super into politics and I haven't been until like recently. And so like I didn't know a lot about Dick Cheney or anything really. So this movie was like so interesting to me and did a really good job of like explaining how things happen in a very entertaining way and like I was just engaged the entire time and like blown away at how good it was for such a kind of bland story maybe like just about politics bland well you know excuse you ma'am okay okay it's not the most enthralling movie in the world but the way that it's told it pays off better than if it were just like a political drama exactly so like for example andrew always tells me that like one of the worst ways to tell a story is narration and that's how this story is told but it works really really well and i think that was a smart move because like politics are not that interesting there's even a few lines i don't remember exactly how it do you remember those lines that's like Uh, i don't remember exactly it's like um like in people's free time, we don't spend time thinking about politics. Yeah, you don't want like, to. Some of the lines are like in your free time, you don't want to talk about super depressing politics. Yeah, and which is basically what this movie is like t- talking about super depressing politics. Well, to be fair, Dick Cheney is one of the most evil people walking this planet. So, <laughs> so yeah, it was just like so interesting and just engaged me so well and like. Oh my gosh, Christian Bale. I was going to say the performances. Oh my like gosh. Like that, I didn't even realize it. I mean, I knew it was Christian Bale, but he just like disappears into that role. And I would say on an equal level, Amy Adams. She's oh, so yeah. good in this. We all expect, I think we all expected Christian Bale to nail it. Mm-hmm. But Amy Adams freaking destroys this movie. Yeah. She does I mean, such a good job. I didn't like either of their characters. Well, you're not supposed to. I loved the actors. Yeah. Um, oddly enough, uh, Steve Carell as well. I oh. quite enjoyed his performance. Yeah. A little bit. I mean, Christian Bale is essentially just an imitation of Dick Cheney where, uh, Steve Carell takes a little bit more 
liberties with Donald Rumsfeld, but really good movie. Definitely <laughs> would recommend. Um, in the running for most inconsistent actor, um, oh, what's his name? I just lost it. Bush, Sam, Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell killed it last year. He kills it this year. Yeah, I don't love him in everything that I see him in, but he's on a streak right now. Yeah, he had a, like a few like smaller roles throughout the year that weren't that great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he's so good in this. I like and the makeup in this too. Oh yeah, incredible. Like, Cause he just the way that he talks like him and like the makeup just like really enhances. He's like it. a skinny George Bush. Yeah, he's a little thin. Yeah. But, but that's the only thing. He's so good in this. Yeah. I don't know. As I told Becca, I'm very much on board with the new Adam McKay cinematic universe of explaining complicated world events for people. Yeah. Like, if you're... An, if you're A lot of the criticisms that I saw of it were like, oh, it was pandering and like it talked to the audience like they were dumb. But like, the audience for this film is people who are not invested in politics. Yeah. The audience for the big short is not investment bankers. The audience for the big short is the people who were like, whoa, why did my home value go down? I don't understand. Yep. And they explain it to you. Yeah. So I don't think that it's pandering. I think that it's explaining to more or less the lowest common denominator. Yeah. And I'm I'm just excited to see what he picks next. Adam McKay, by the way, just to remind you guys, director of such movies as Talladega Nights <laughs> and Step Brothers. Anchorman. Anchorman. Um, the other guys. Like, That's a great movie. I watched that Those today. are all great movies. But, like, <laughs> but very different. Really took a left turn here. Yeah. But he went down a good road. Yeah. So I'm, I'm stoked for the Adam McKay cinematic universe. Because <laughs> apparently we have to have a cinematic universe for everything. The Adam McKay, Christian Bale, Steve Carell cinematic universe. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, the only thing missing from Vice is Ryan Gosling. Yes. That's the only thing missing from most movies. Very true. Ah. This is fitting. Number eight. Eighth grade. Nice. Directed by Bo Burnham. Very good movie. I think this was another like surprise maybe. like I didn't see it coming. I didn't know what it was until I think Sid... You told us about it. Yeah. And then we went and saw it and we're blown away. Like such a good movie that so accurately describes what it's like to be in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Like it just captures it perfectly in a movie. And I think that's incredible. What a performance. Elsie mm-hmm. Fisher. Oh, yeah. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, this was my favorite movie of the year. Not just because it's a great movie, but I, I was very like... The character Kayla in that, yeah, we did my, my list backwards, but. We did your list backwards? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but well, all, all the points are wrong then. No, it's totally fine. It honestly wouldn't have changed that much. All right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was my number one. It's, I would say it's, I've heard, and I would definitely agree that this movie is more for the parents of like a shy kid. Um, it's just very interesting at how they look at the relationship between a shy child and their parents and how badly their parents want them to succeed and to make friends. Um, so I don't know. It was you feel, you feel for the dad of this movie. Yeah, he's so oh, good yeah. in this. And like that last kind of scene when they're by the fire. Oh, that breaks me. Oh, it's so good. And like, you know, when she's asking, do I make you sad? Like, it's just, it's... Okay, it's a great movie, but it's also, I think it's a very important movie to kind of help you understand a kid who's like this. And just, yeah, 
Bo Burnham, incredible starting point. Oh, yeah. Um, something else. Go check out on Netflix Bo Burnham's one-man shows. They're so funny. Um, they're hilarious. <laughs> Very dark. Have you seen his joke about vinegar, salt and vinegar chips? No. It's a, it's a little inappropriate, but it's really funny. You'll have to check it out. I can't say it because I'm white. Um, but you have to look it up. So is he? Yeah, but he doesn't actually say it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. His, uh, what are the, I don't remember what they're called. Just search Bo Burnham on Netflix. There's one that's called What, and I don't remember what the other one is. Something about happy, be yeah. happy, or make happy. Yeah, there's just, it's. Make happy, that's what it's called. It's so punny and stupid, but it's so funny. Yeah, both of those are great. Number seven, mid-90s, directed by Jonah Hill. Mid-90s. hey yo. This was uh, not in my top ten, so take it away. Um, this one was my number five. I think what I've noticed throughout the year is that like one of my favorite genres is like the coming of age kind of drama. <laughs> call me by your name, you don't say. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I guess you could call it that. <laughs> um, but it's, I don't know. I don't know why I love this movie so much. I think one thing that worked really well for this movie is that they didn't get actors to play skaters. They got skaters to be actors. Mm-hmm. And it just, it's, all the characters, while they can be annoying sometimes, which is kind of the point, they're supposed to be obnoxious teenagers, but they're very authentic and genuine in their roles. And I just, they're very believable and it's very easy to invest in them. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I love this movie. This is my number eight. Yeah. This is my number eight. Um, But I agree with everything that Sid said. And I think it's such a good movie just about friendship. And it's so... I don't even know if this is the right word for it. But in a lot of ways, it feels very just like wholesome. And like... Oh, yeah. Such a good group of friends that just... Like, look out for each other and take care of each other, um, even with a lot of, like, crap going on around them. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was a great movie. We already talked about how effective the score is. The performances are great. Um, really, a- again, a great jumping off point for Jonah Hill. Mm-hmm. And this really is his love letter to the community that he was brought up in. He grew up in um, East L.A. skating. So... You can tell the love is there and the knowledge of the culture and everything like that. So mid-90s, go check it out. It's a short little one. It's like it's barely 90 yeah. minutes. So it's, it's worth your one. time. Yeah. Uh, moving on. Number six, Suspiria Woo. with a great old 10 points given <laughs> exclusively by me because this one's my number one for the year. <laughs> Holy cow. And it's not on either of our lists. Yeah, but uh, just me giving it number one managed to get it to number six <laughs> in the overall podcast. Holy crap. Um, so I will never say that this movie is perfect. I think that it probably is too long. Um, but seeing it multiple times, each time the length bothers me less. I'll put it that way. Um, because it's this world that I can just get immersed in. I love the six act structure i don't know why i think it's just i think it's hilarious um the performances are just outstanding um as i said before dakota johnson kills it tilda swinton 
I mean, no surprises there. Yeah, but she kills it in all 15 of her roles. Yeah, right, in every role that she plays. <laughs> um, and again, like I said, I would, I would never say this is a perfect movie, but there's not a single movie that I enjoyed watching more this year than Suspiria. Just like the process of sitting down and watching it. There was not a single movie that I enjoyed that whole process from start to finish more than Suspiria. Um, go ahead. But this is definitely not for everybody. No. That like, said, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not for everybody. It's long. It's meandering, punctuated by intense violence and um, lots of boobies. Yeah. yeah. That's not why it's my number one. <laughs> I'm not saying sure, that's why. Sure. I'm just saying. For some reason, witches always have to be topless. I, I don't know. <laughs> I guess that's part of being a witch. I guess so. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and then as I talked about that, that ending, what, the, the, the not quite ending as well. I actually really like the ending, um, when she goes and talks to the old man mm-hmm. and that line where she's, she says, you know, we need guilt and shame and suffering, but not yours. And then she like wipes his memory mm-hmm. almost like, because I could talk about this movie forever because I think that, um, it's one that you got to pay attention to a little bit to get to really get the actual story because the actual story is this power struggle between Marcos and um, I just lost her name. Tilda Swinton. What's her name? Mm. Oh, what is her name? Pause. pause Almost pause. got it. It is Blanc. Blanc. I need to start with the beat. Yeah, between Marcos and Blanc, you have this power struggle going on between them. And that's really what's happening is Marcos is preparing Susie to be her new vessel and Blanc disagrees with the ritual but is forced to do it because they've all agreed to follow their elected leader who is Marcos. And then at the end, Suspiriorum comes in and just says, F that to all of it, <laughs> kills both of them. Well, no, she doesn't kill Blanc. Because but she's good as dead. Well, huh? I mean, I'm she sure. she is a witch, though. Yeah, she is a witch. I don't know. Um, but yeah, she she kills Marcos and then kills a bunch of other people, kills all the people that supported Marcos. Um, but that I think that that power struggle uh, set to the backdrop of German politics at the time is actually quite interesting. Um, and then at the end, how they're just like, nope, and it's actually just Suspiriorum comes back. <laughs> <laughs> and murders everybody. And then she goes and, like I said, she's talking to the old man. And it, she, like, goes around and basically apologizes for all of the things that Marcos did. Mm-hmm. I mean, she even says directly to him, she says, I'm sorry for the things my daughters did to you. Like, I think that story is so interesting. But then the tone, the atmosphere, the score, just how chilly and icy everything is. Mm-hmm. Um, just, uh, like... In, uh, the sequence where uh, the old man is led back to the dance studio by his dead wife and then he turns around and she's not there. Like my heart just breaks in that moment for him. And again, you said the, said you named the sequence uh, where um, Susie's dancing and kind of contorting Olga. Mm-hmm. Just again, not for everybody Yeah, because again, it's long and it's slow punctuated by, intense violence and um like her dreams are really disturbing Mm -hmm. they do some of the best dream sequences that i've ever seen in a movie um i would put it on the level of like the dream sequence from like rosemary's baby 
as far as just how freaking good those dream sequences are and how effective they are at, I guess, freaking you out. Yeah. Such a good movie. As the most average movie watcher on this podcast, I would say I really liked half of the things in the movie and really didn't like and was uncomfortable with the other half. <laughs> but <laughs> but you can't get only half of it. Yeah. So That's true. I I don't even I wouldn't suggest this movie to most people, but there's did, some great things about it. I did actually watch the original as well because of this, and it's quite good. Uh, the soundtrack in it is outstanding as well. Um, it's a lot more freeform mm. in that like it, it's kind of a blob of a movie, but not in a bad way. Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous, but nothing really happens. Mm. So I quite appreciated the fact that Luca um, took a lot of liberties with it. Yeah, He says that it was basically him covering the movie rather than remaking it. And I think that's an effective way to describe it. Yeah. Uh, so that was our uh, number six pick, Suspiria. I, I just, <laughs> just love this movie so much. It's, I mean, it's my number one pick for the year. Yeah. So what are you going to do? Come at me, Becca. Fight. No. Fight. 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 Oh, we'll fight about. We already have. We're going to fight about our number four. <laughs> <laughs> well, I helped get that there. That's true. Uh, moving one on. one point. Yeah. Number five, uh, The Death of Stalin. What a great movie. This one's so, so good. good. Oh my gosh. It's just, for me, this movie is fairly, is similar to The Favorite in a lot of ways. Just that, I don't know, there's like a lot of crude humor and it's just really funny and takes like real serious things and makes light of it. Yeah, like the death squads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. oh. Man. I loved every scene when the the son and daughter of Stalin were just yelling at people. Oh, yeah. And she's yes. just like, you look dead. And then the other guy, he's like, you're not even human. You're a testicle. Because <laughs> <laughs> he said, how old are you? Old. <laughs> and then and when- like the idea that like Stalin has this stroke or whatever and can't get treated because he's executed all the good doctors. <laughs> like they take... Like, how not funny that situation is, because he actually did that, like, <laughs> and just make it into complete ridiculousness. Yeah. The performance in this is, are outstanding. They're I mean, so here's funny. the thing. This entire top ten is really good, but, like, at this point in the list, we're getting into, like, the good, real good close. Like, like, they could all be, like, flip-flopped yeah. at any second. Yeah. Uh, we're, like, we're getting into really, really close. Yeah. Um, Freaking Jason Isaacs in this movie <laughs> is so good. And he's like, uh, the one guy, I forget who it is, goes over to him is like telling him how they're going to kill the other guy. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, you know, I'm going to have to report this, right? <laughs> and he's like, ah, your face. <laughs> <laughs> like, so everything about it is just so good. It works a lot better if you have at least a loose understanding of, I guess, Russian history, Soviet history more specifically. And if you actually kind of understand some of the things that happened after the death of Stalin. Uh, but I think you guys both went in kind of blind as far as yeah. that goes, right? And it's still yeah. enjoyable. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I have average knowledge. Yeah. So it's it's kind of confusing, but it's not too hard to understand what's going on. Because aside from the... As long as you know that Stalin was bad man. Oh, yeah. Like, that's all you really need to know to enjoy yeah. this movie. Yeah, it's pretty much, you know, just a power struggle. 
And oh. the real shame is that this has not been released on Blu-ray in the United States yet. So I haven't bought it for that reason because I don't buy DVDs anymore. This is true. Moving on. We have a tie at number four. What do you guys want to talk about first? Let's talk about A Star is Born first. Okay. Tied for number four, A Star is Born, directed by Bradley Cooper. Boy, this movie's great. Ah, <laughs> ah, <laughs> wow, you sound just ah, like Lady Gaga. <laughs> I'm on the deep end, watch as I dive in. I'll never reach the This oh movie's boy. so good. It's so good. Ugh. A remake of a remake. Of a remake, right? I don't know. I think there's four <laughs> there altogether four? now. Okay. Yeah, there's four altogether. Wow. There's a lot. But this one, I mean, I haven't seen the other ones, but this one's the best. Has Bradley Cooper directed anything before this? I don't think so. I think this is his first. What a came. what a year for first-time directors. Seriously. And yeah, Bradley Cooper's performance and Lady Gaga's performance, I mean steal this like they're so good i'm typically very very against uh the lead actor directing the film because i think it splits focus and um most people cannot direct themselves i think that that's what ruined um i just lost it the movie about the room disaster artist oh I think that that's what ruined the disaster artist was that James Franco directed it. Not that he's a bad director, uh-huh. but that he had to focus so much on his performance in that, that the direction was neglected. Yeah. Um, that's still a funny movie, but it could, it could have been a lot It better. could have been something really special though. Yeah. Um, something like Argo. I mean, one best picture, but really suffers as well. I think for Ben Affleck splitting focus. Um, so I'm typically very, very against um, actor directors. I think that it's just generally not a good idea. Um, Bradley Cooper destroys it. He does such a good job. Mm-hmm. It's so good. And I don't know. The ending is just so heartbreaking. Uh, close yours if you don't want spoilers. But I was telling Becca about this. And I think it's one of the more overlooked um, parts of this film. But I think it makes the ending super effective. Because um, he goes out and he gets in his truck. And you think he's going to go meet... Um, Allie. Allie. And then he gets back out. And the way that the lights are on his house, like, perfectly mirror the stage lights from earlier in the film. And so you have these bright, bright lights behind him, just like you do when he's on stage mm-hmm. earlier in the film. Uh-huh. And it's almost like, visually, it's almost like you're getting a throwback to him being on stage again before he goes and hangs himself in the garage. The part with the dog outside the garage. The part with the dog is really sad. (laughs) But just what incredible performances. Lady Gaga really coming out here making a statement. Seriously. As far as her acting ability goes. Um, uh, What's his name? Sam Elliott is apparently like a super front runner for supporting actor. And I think that that I would be fine with that. Mm -hmm. I would love to see Josh Brolin get it, honestly. Yeah. But I know that that's a pipe dream. Mm. Um so well directed the music in it is incredible um and again lady gaga is getting a lot of hype but bradley cooper just such an interesting character he's Mm -hmm. not any sort of stereotype i don't know it's just so well done and like it's nice to see 
like two people actually in love on screen who like like not in a sitcom way like yeah they piss each other off and they have fights but then like they still love each other and come back to it like I don't know. It's it's so well written. It's so well directed. So well acted. It's such a spectacular film. And yeah, it would definitely deserve best picture. Yeah. I would be really. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be upset about it. I mean, I might, but that's just because. Again, I think we'll talk about Roma later on because it is on the list. A spoiler. Um, but it, mostly just because you just don't see films like Roma come along. Yeah. Okay, tied for number four, Hereditary. Now, this is one of the few films that actually made it onto, I guess, along with The Star is Born, made it onto all three of our lists. Actually, the remaining films made it onto all three of our lists. Um, Hereditary. Becca, why don't you tell us about Hereditary? Well, we have an entire episode dedicated to Hereditary and why Andrew and Sid absolutely love it and I don't love it as much. <laughs> but I like a lot about it. Like, I do have to say that it is an incredible movie and there's like such good acting and like well put together all around but i just don't like all of it again first time director ari aster kills it such a fantastically directed movie such a beautifully shot movie um again really confident filmmaking going on here um the balls to have that scene where he wakes up and she's just in the corner. Oh my gosh. And the, the it just holds. I still, one of my, I think my favorite theater moment was the ending of Annihilation. Um, Just for how unexpected. And I don't know, maybe the ending of, of Suspiria. I don't know. But definitely up there is that moment. Because I remember we sat there and he's just getting up. And I remember probably 15 seconds into it. I like reached over and like grabbed Becca and I was like, do you see it? And I did it. And she didn't. Until he said that. I was like in the corner. And then she like jumped like at a still frame that had been there for probably 20 seconds. She jumped. Yeah. Yeah. I was reading, um, there's this one critic. He wrote about his favorite moments in movies. And that was one of his probably because like, um, he said that he would go to a theater after he'd seen it and he would just wait for the collective gasp of everyone to see her. Because it's so creepy and it's so good. And the sound design in this is incredible. The sound of... Spoilers if you don't... <laughs> uh, the sound of her sawing her head off with a piano wire. Oh. Just like... <laughs> and then you turn around and like he turns around and she's just like floating up there. Oh my gosh. Uh, the sound of Charlie's head getting knocked off. Oh my goodness. If you want to talk about incredible scenes, like... Alex Wolf's performance in that and that kind of like half breath of like, are you like when he like goes to ask if she's okay. And then he just like drives off and like his eyes in the mirror right there. And that is a scene that I will never, ever, ever forget. Like, yeah. It's just and then the fallout, like mind. Tony Collette's just screaming, jumping into her performance. Oh my God. So many sequences, the freaking, the dinner scene. Oh, that's always what I think of when I think about Tony Collette's performance in this is just the way that she just like screams at her son and she's just so angry. Don't and... you swear at me, you little shit. I am your mother. <laughs> I, ugh. Like, ugh, such a, uh, and the dad just like clueless yeah. as to what to do. 
Um, but like a regular dad, like well, yeah. that's how a dad yeah. would respond. I think, uh, when she goes to the support group and tells like the history of her family and just the emotions that come across her face as she runs through it. Spectacular. Um, the ending or towards the end, um, when she's trying to, she's going to burn the book and she thinks that she's going to start herself on fire <laughs> and she, you're the love of my life. I love you so much. And blah. And like the dad just like it doesn't know what to do, mm-hmm. and then he, when he lights up and the look on her face of just like pure horror, and like mm-hmm. in that moment she just breaks as yep. a person, yeah. and like can't take it anymore. But then like as soon as that light washes over her, she just like snaps it back and just because she's nothing because she's possessed. Then yeah, oh my gosh, so creepy. It's on Amazon. We should watch it. It's on my shelf. Yeah, we, we own sh- it. Okay, we should watch it. <laughs> mm, maybe not. I bought the 4K Blu-ray. <gasps> I would love to see Charlie's rotten head in 4K. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> um, again, disclosure. Becca, give you a disclaimer on this movie. Is it for everyone? Oh, definitely not for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> if your favorite movie of the year was Paddington 2, this movie isn't for you. <laughs> Um, you don't like scary movies. This it's is not... Th- hang on. I'll, I'll put it this way. This is not a scary movie. This is a horror movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is yeah. horrific. <laughs> and not for everybody. Correct. And a little satanic at the end. Just yes. a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, but apparently Ari Aster says that he has like 10 screenplays already written, done, ready to go. Oh. Uh, two of them are horror and the rest are other genres. So he's doing another horror film after Hereditary and then he'll move on to Greener Pastures. Let's get cracking. Speaking of new writers coming out with new movies, um, can we just give a preemptive moment of hype to us? Because oh my god, That looks so good. Holy crap. <laughs> that looks amazing. I would love to see at the end of next year us being my lived up to the hype pick. Oh my gosh. Because I'm ready for that movie. I was looking at a list of like movies to skip and movies to watch in the next year mm-hmm. and they said to skip us. I'm like, there's no trailer out yet and I'm like, okay, it's Jordan Peele. There is a trailer and it's an incredible trailer. I know. But I was just, so I was getting so mad reading that list. I was like, I'm gonna kill someone because I'm pretty sure they what? said to watch um, Frozen 2. Which just sent me what? off the rails. <laughs> that is not a list that Bad you can list. trust. Yeah. So if you ever come across that, just don't listen to it. All right. We're into the big guns here. Number three, The Favorite, directed by Yorgos Lanthimos, uh, director of Dogtooth, The Lobster, Killing of a Sacred Deer. I wasn't too excited. I mean, I was excited going into it because it was getting such good reviews. Um but the only one other one of his movies that I've seen uh, was The Lobster, and I didn't really like that one. I need to see, I've only seen Killing of a Sacred Deer, and I loved it. Okay. So maybe I'll have to give that one a watch. But I was blown away with this one. Just like the script and the screenplay and just, as we said, the production design, the costume design. It's just such a weird, interesting crazy movie he manages to not lose his weird tone while also sending it in a completely different direction from like killing of a sacred deer because killing of a sacred deer feels so sterile Mm. whereas this one is so alive yeah yeah and this is another one where i like kind of felt uncomfortable the entire time but like thoroughly enjoyed it 
And if we're talking about like punctuation marks in film, um, what better moment than, no, I want her around. I like it when she puts her tongue in me. <laughs> like that moment, the we, we were in a pretty packed theater when we saw it. And the entire theater just went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. This one's weird. It's a weird one. Oh, yeah. It's uh, not weird. It's odd. Yeah. Yeah. Um, incredible performances. Seriously. Olivia Coleman. What? Oh my gosh. Just the the three main roles, the three lead ladies. Yeah. But I would also say um, Nicholas Holt. Ooh. I he's not getting enough attention. For Dude, this. if he could get a supporting actor, I would be fine with him winning yeah. it. What he gives such a great performance. He's honest, he's such a biatch in this. Oh yeah. But he's so great. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Oh. I'm with you there. Um, again, the production design, the score in this movie is so good. Yeah. Also. This might be my winner for best trailer of the year. It's pretty good. The trailer for it's this movie good. is so good. Yeah. Um, the dance scenes. Oh, yeah. They're so, like, goofy. Wacky. Yeah. But, like, they fit. Like, you don't question it because yeah. it's like, yeah, you're just this like, is just uh, what they're doing. This is weird, but I yeah. like it. Yeah. It doesn't subtract from the overall tone and weirdness of the movie. Yeah, this is one that... it. It's harder to maybe point to as many specific moments as in something like Hereditary, but just overall, just such a great, great pick. I think it was. So it was my... It was my number six. Oh, it was my number four, five. It was my number five. And it was my number four. Yeah. So we all rated it pretty highly. Um Really fantastic. I need to go back and watch Dogtooth and The Lobster because I think I, I I have a feeling I would like them. Maybe I just from need what to I know about them. The Lobster second go. Well, I'm gonna buy Killing of a Sacred Deer, mm. so we should watch it sometime. Okay. Pulling out the big guns. Um, our number two leads our number three by seven points, which tells you how much uh, more highly it was rated for all of us. Uh, this is Becca's number one. This is my. Number four. I guess does that make it your number nine, Sid? Yeah. We should list back. So yeah, we rated them a little bit. Yeah, off. the ratings are off, but I think that I think the overall. It would have been high up there. Number two. Overall, yeah. the top ten list came out okay, so we're whatever. Um, Annihilation, directed by Alex Garland. Uh, we also have a full episode talking about this, so we won't bore you too much with all of the nitty gritty details. But what a great movie! I just think like. Oh, yeah, so much of it. It's just so good. Like, the acting is amazing. I think there's so much symbolism in it that I don't, you can just really relate to a lot of different people and life situations. And, again, the music is amazing. Just the idea of the shimmer and the world inside the shimmer is so fascinating. I think it was such a smart move on Alex Garland's part. Again, we talk about this on the podcast, but he read the book and then wrote the screenplay based on how he remembered the book. Yeah, I think he also said that it's kind of a dream of the book. Yeah. So that's why there's like that hazy feel to it. Mm-hmm. Even from the beginning, before even before they get into the shimmer. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, my favorite performance of this film is from Jennifer Jason Lee. I think she destroys it as Ventress. And I think she um, outshines any other performance i agree with that by a wide margin 
but I think all of the that's not to say the other ones aren't good yeah, yeah. they are good and then like every character like represents something different and mm-hmm. has like a different story that is just so interesting to follow and everybody should watch this 100 percent. um again check out our episode talking about that one in full because it's one that deserves a lot of discussion um we go into some of the source material for it where the ideas from it come from uh themes self-destruction mind over matter all that kind of stuff and again that ending with the alien and what a oh my god what a great antagonist the shimmer is and the alien in general that line at the end um where he's asking her he says well what did it want she's like i don't think it wanted anything like what an interesting idea i'm so ready we actually finally watched ex machina like three days ago it was really good it was spectacular (laughs) it was so like i'm so ready for alex garland to keep doing things Mm mm-hmm um anything else you guys want to say about that one just go listen to our episode yeah you can hear everything that we want to our say episode about goes super in depth about all that we thought about it mm-hmm. now our number one pick um admittedly is our number one pick because um there was not a Denis new movie this year uh, makes sense <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh no uh no surprises at this point our number one pick alfonso coron's roma hey yo i was so impressed with this like um i was a little wary going into it knowing that it was black and white and in spanish but i was still just like so engaged in the world and like halfway through completely forgot that i was reading subtitles and that it was black and white like Mm -hmm. i was there and like living it with them this feels like a movie. I mean, it takes place in 1971. So it feels like a movie from the seventies made with modern technology. Like that's how effective it is at teleporting you to 1971 Mexico city. Um, the production design in this is outstanding. The performances are incredible. And I think it benefits a lot from not using well-known actors. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this is just the pinnacle of, confident filmmaking um and just a love letter from alfonso coron to his city mm-hmm. well so um i was looking at the trivia afterwards and um 90 of the scenes were taken out of memory from his own life yeah and I, I think it's yeah it's based off his family's relationship with their kind of maid yeah and how she affected all of them and what a spectacular character she is and an incredible performance yeah um Spoilers, plug your ears if you don't want to hear it. Um, that scene in the hospital oh my gosh. just broke me. Ugh. I've never that seen anything like that on film before. Incredible. So good. Apparently, those are actual doctors uh-huh. that he cast for that, yeah. which is why like, they're... It feels so real. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then that ending where she goes out and saves the kids. Yeah. Uh, this movie... I mean, one thing that a lot of people would have problems with it, I kind of, for me, it it is very slow. And at some points it does kind of wear on you a little bit. But it's, the slowness is really what makes you connect with the characters mm-hmm. and understand them. And it pays off so well in the last 10 minutes of it. You, yeah, the last, uh, the scene at the beach and afterwards when they come home, 
just doesn't work unless you know these characters yeah. as well as you do. Yeah. It's definitely a movie that takes some patience. But again, I'll say this, like how many movies on here have I said, you know, what a great film, but like, this is just an achievement, like a culmination of Alfonso Cuaron learning everything that he has about filmmaking. He apparently Emmanuel Lubezki was supposed to shoot this, but the shooting schedule was too long. So Alfonso Cuaron actually shot it himself. This is like him through and through. Like if this doesn't immediately um, put him in the running for one of the best filmmakers working today, I don't know what will he directed it, filmed it, edited it, wrote it, everything like this is this is his film and like i said before like i usually am against people doing more than one thing because i feel like it splits focus but you could tell he's just in the exact right headspace to be making this film and congratulations to him what an incredible job well and you can feel that when you're watching it like you can feel that it's him and it's not a story told simply to be entertaining or whatever it's just like a clip of someone's life and you just get to like participate in that with her and the family. And it's really, yeah, like you said, it's really special. It's really cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'd say it's similar to like tree of life that it's not just a movie. It's like, it's an experience. Oh yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. It's great. It might be a 10. I think it's it's very deserving of our number one. Very deserving of our number one spot. So our favorite film as a podcast from 2018, Alfonso Cuarón's Roma. I want to see it win Best Picture so bad. That'd be great. That would be cool. I think he's got, obviously, uh, foreign language on lock. I think he's got director on lock. And he might, I think, very likely cinematography. And it's hard to see a film get both director and cinematography and not get Best Picture. Yeah. So. Well, that would be cool to see Roma win. I would love that. It'd be such a unexpected pick from the Academy, mm-hmm. but they've been doing unexpected picks lately. It's true. Um, I mean, Shape of Water. Also, we got to keep it. We got to keep it in the trio, man. Only, yeah. only Alfonso Cuarón, <laughs> Guillermo del Toro, and um, Alejandro Iñárritu too are allowed to win Best Director just ever, and it. they just need to bounce it between the three of them. Oh, none of them made a movie this year. Doesn't matter. Give it to one of them. Give it to them anyway. Yeah, because they've won for like the last six years. <laughs> <laughs> one of the three of them, yeah. and deserving. Like, represent Mexico. Good job, guys. Um, and that's cool because they all like kind of came up together like they're all they're all buds they all learned how to make films together and they've all got these just like achievement career defining films coming out i mean the last three films from them would be you know roma shape of water and the revenant like if that's what you're if that's what you and your friends are doing on top of that you know you got you got birdman you got gravity you've got pan's labyrinth Labyrinth. um just all of these incredible films well done, guys. And well done, Alfonso Cuaron, for Roma, our pick of the year. Um, so, run it back. Uh, number 10, Tie, Into the Spider-Verse, and Infinity War. Number 9, Vice, 8, 8th Grade, 7, Mid-90s, 6, Suspiria, uh, 5, The Death of Stalin, Tied for number 4, A Star is Born and Hereditary. Number 3, The Favorite, 2, Annihilation, and 1, Roma. It's been a great year. It's really been a really great year. It's been a really good year. These are all... Been some really really good films mm-hmm. and there's plenty of good ones that we didn't even mention that are probably worth your time mm-hmm. but 
just make sure you're in the right headspace to watch Roma. It's slow. Um, there is a quite extended scene of swinging dick. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> I hated that guy so much. Oh, that yeah. scene. But yeah, I was watching that at work, and luckily <laughs> I was the only like it was like right before the Christmas break, and luckily there was no one there. But I was just like, I'm on BYU campus. Yeah, I was like, don't I, you work at BYU? What am I watching? <laughs> but no one saw it. It was just between me and God. So <laughs> and he gets it. He's probably not proud of it, but he gets it. <laughs> it's representative. It's a literal swinging dick. <laughs> She's men in this movie suck. They really do. Yes, all of them. But except for like the one uh, other worker for the family. Oh, that's true. He he's never right. talks, oh, but yeah. he's he's a good guy. Yeah, seems like it anyway. Yeah. Maybe he abandoned his family. Who knows? Uh, hopefully not. <laughs> um, I think that's it, guys. I think so. Yeah. Good year. We'll be back um, next week. Yes, we will. And we'll be back on our normal schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, of watching a movie and then talking about it we will do special episodes for when the oscar nominations are announced as well as following the ceremonies because we are oscar junkies we Woo-hoo. love to watch it yes right becca yes all four hours yeah i don't even I've care only if done it's it four once. hours <laughs> yeah <laughs> just as long as timothy chalamet is in every single frame just like he was last year <laughs> yeah. in his white suit he looked so good he did look good <laughs> all right um if you want to get in touch with us uh, Facebook.com slash we watch movies and then talk about them or Instagram at movies we watch. You can slide into the DMs if you have a movie you would like to hear us talk about, let us know. Or any other feedback. We're happy to hear it. Um, thank you for a wonderful 2018, even though this is now 2019. We're assuming that it's going to be great for us. Um, and that's it. I am Andrew. I'm Becca. I'm Sid. And we'll talk to you later. See ya. Bye.